0: Hello and welcome to episode six of Fleet Meet, a video series that's designed to compare and contrast fleet trends that are occurring in the European market with those in the US. My name is Mike Antage. I'm editor of Automotive Fleet and
1: I'll be representing the North American perspective. My name is Hans Daman, managing partner for Fleet 360 and I represent Europe.
0: topics uh, among North American fleet managers who also have uh, fleet responsibilities in the European market has been this pricing volatility. North American fleet managers, we're not strangers to price changes, but what's really caught the attention of a lot of North American fleet managers is the number of price increases. From the time a vehicle is ordered to the time that it's delivered, I've heard that there could be as
1: many as four different price increases. Well, some of the manufacturers um, actually starting uh, by the end of last year and beginning of this year with the various, you know, crises that we have run into in, in, in Europe, they have increased pricing almost on a, on a monthly basis. And meaning that if delivery times, which are already extended uh, by, by months at the moment, uh, if deliveries are being uh, promised at all, um, it could up, end up indeed having four or five price increases before the vehicles being uh, being delivered. And and these are substantial increases. This is not just a few hundred euros. This is like thousands of euros that cars have gone up in the price range between 20 and 25,000 euros. So a 10% increase is, is, uh, is has, has been something that we have seen before. And as you said, for some of the US fleet managers that are not on the ground with to this topic all the time, uh, this, uh, this can be a major shock. Yeah, and they're, they're struggling with how to budget for this. Uh, some of them, not
0: even knowing what the future price increases would be, are just budgeting a, a flat additional 20%, You know, getting approval from their uh, financial uh, management uh, to make those uh, increases in order to avoid uh,
1: delays in the delivery process. Yeah, true. And, and the challenge here is, you know, because most vehicles are, are being uh, used on the basis of a full operational lease, typically a price increase is also partially absorbed by residual values. By uh, But the, the leasing companies now say, but hold on, these price increases, they might go down again. And then I might be stuck with a very expensive vehicle in three, four years from now. And so, therefore, I'm not budgeting uh, a, a, a the same amount of, of, of increase to the, the residual value as the list, value, uh, list price value has increased as well. So it is it is indeed uh, a challenge.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we haven't been experiencing the multiple price increases in North America, but there, there are issues. Uh, the biggest issue is in terms of price protection. Um, in many cases, a vehicle may be ordered in a specific model year. And then towards the end of that model year, that vehicle order is canceled, moved into the next year. And uh, where the difficulty occurs is that next year or next model year that that order has been moved to may have a price increase. Even though I had ordered it earlier, no fault of mine, um, at that earlier price, that's what it was budgeted for. Now I'm hit with a price increase. And some fleet managers are saying it's kind of unfair. I mean, there should be some sort of pricing protection for a change that I, as the fleet manager,
1: didn't make. So when we talk about product and product availability, you know, we've seen in Europe, um, you know, this 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 contraction of uh, of smaller vehicles. Manufacturers are reconsidering their, uh, their their position on whether or not to continue to produce smaller vehicles uh, for various reasons: production cost, also the mandatory safety equipment, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that uh, that have a hefty price uh, impact uh, on the overall product. But are you experiencing anything like that in the U.S.? Because I do understand you don't have the small size vehicles we have over here. But are are manufacturers in the U.S. also repositioning their product line? In some cases, yes. There's always
0: been um, kind of a limitation in the number of uh, models that are available in the van market. Um, In particular, the the compact market uh, for vans, which is what we're hearing more now. I mean, Nissan had exited the market they They're really not offering any sort of uh, vans. Uh, Stellantis uh, exited the small van market uh, by discontinuing the ProMaster City van. And now there's a discussion about others. Um, and none of this is really substantiated. Manufacturers haven't mentioned it, but it's in the news. It's being picked up by a number of different publications uh, about the potential discontinuation this continuation of other uh, major compact vans. And that's going to pose an issue for fleet managers. And the key issue is that many of those vans are ideally suited by their size um, for the fleet application that, uh, that that fleet manager is buying them for. But what's mm-hmm. going to end up happening is with the fewer number of compact vans that are out there, it's going to be forcing fleets. To buy bigger vans so that's increasing their acquisition costs it's also going to be increasing their operating costs since these bigger vans have lower fuel economy sure. and higher fuel consumption than one of these compact vans
1: and and predominantly you know we see a lot of small vans running around in cities uh, over here um, because of you know the, the space to move around and to park your car and and so
0: on but you know there are limitations to that and uh Perhaps this might be a good opportunity here, Hans, to bring up Michael Beegers, the global fleet manager for the Catholic Relief Services Organization, uh, on his take on EV availability outside of North America. You operate an international fleet in a lot of less developed areas. Electrification is the transition for the industry. Will that transition occur in these less developed areas and what are the obstacles?
1: Oh, absolutely it'll occur. Uh, It is occurring right now. We've just purchased our first EV and several more are planned. Um, it's a slower process and it's going to be difficult for many of our work vehicles. So we use uh, Toyota Land Cruiser quite a bit, mm-hmm. right? Um, but there are no good EV options uh, in vehicles that are that size. And where we use them, the electricity availability is is not really good for charging. So what we've done is we've begun to introduce EVs in our office locations, in the cities where they're centrally garaged and where we can charge them.
0: Right. I think that's going to be the trick. So it's true in North America, the number of EVs uh, is increasing uh, and it'll probably continue to increase uh, each subsequent year. But what's starting to emerge now with more EVs that are on the road today is the inadequacy in public recharging infrastructure and we're hearing more and more complaints from users saying that they're encountering um, uh, charging uh, recharging units that just don't work or they're they're charging at a much lower speed than they
1: should be no true um and, and that's why also companies develop very different speeds in how quickly they want to implement uh, EVs. Uh, you know, because if you're from Runner, uh, you had the big tax breaks that they were giving to you um, at the start of those programs. But right now, most countries uh, those tax breaks are being reduced or even fully taken away, and then you're on your own to make their business case for the EV vehicle, including you know having proper charging infrastructure. Um, and, and that's why we also talked to uh, David Hayward um, uh, back in, in Florida. With on, ABM what industry. He sees in the future. And so let's look listen to him uh, for a moment.
0: So, congratulations on your new position at ABM.
1: I am curious,
0: what is uh, ABM's uh, electrification strategy? Where is that going? So, it's very
1: much in its infancy. Um, we announced earlier this year a, a strategy of 2040. Uh, full, our fleet will be fully electric by 2040. Uh, we have eleven e-transits uh, on order, uh, which are, which is exciting, and we're we're seeking out uh, different places to to uh, deploy them. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's going to be a slow process, though. One of the one of the issues we have is we, we need to gather the data to understand where electric vehicles will work in today's environment with today's infrastructure. Uh, obviously, we we see infrastructure improving over the years, so we we felt that it was. A, a sweet spot, shall we say, at, at 2040 for for full electrification. But we have step stepwise goals uh, along the way. So we would. Uh, How large is your fleet? Our Our fleet is almost 6,000
0: vehicles. Okay. And uh, a percentage of that would be electrified? Yes. Or, so uh,
1: the the, the goal is yeah. Mm-hmm. The goals will be 100% by 2040. Mm-hmm. Um. But stepwise goals along the way. So as David said, you know, their, their aim is to electrify their fleet by 2040. And, and, and although those sound like a very far-fetched horizon, uh, you know, then they took a very realistic goal, what they think is achievable based on product availability, but also infrastructure availability and so on. So there's pros and cons that people need to consider. And it's, it's a very complex situation and needs careful uh, deliberation to, uh, to make the right choices there.
0: Yeah, my feeling is the problem in this transition is not with the asset itself. I mean, there's some phenomenal electric vehicles that are on the road and and they're only going to get better as as with each subsequent model year. The issue in the Achilles heel is we got to get the infrastructure right. And and that's the biggest issue because a lot of areas, especially, you know, with us taking a global perspective with this video series, there are a lot of areas. That just do not have the infrastructure there, which de facto precludes, you know, uh, EVs coming in. Uh, grids may not be sufficient to account for any sort of large number of um, uh, recharging uh, events that are going on. And plus, yeah. also, some areas, you know, vandalism and and uh, theft is very prominent. And and yeah. I know, in talking with uh, fleet managers um, in other regions of the world, you know, they say, you know, public charging stations. Within 30 days, most likely you're going to have to be stripped of any sort of value there um, that people or thieves can use to recycle or to sell. And uh, it eliminates the availability for um, uh, EV customers. So that's that's an issue that needs to be addressed as, as time goes on.
1: I, I agree. And, and I'm, I'm afraid, you know, with changing climate and, and, and droughts, uh, you know, being identified in, in many areas where people say, please don't hose the garden or only do it at night. We will even come to a situation where we will be publicly advised not to charge a car that night because we might, you know, kill the whole system uh, by, by overloading the grid. So, um, yeah, let's keep finger crossed and, and hope we we can find solutions for this. But, but right that's, now, that we funds, that's to happening
0: land. today. Right now, where I live, uh-huh. I live in California. We're going through a major drought, and just yesterday we received a notification from the state uh, asking that those EV drivers refrain from charging their vehicles in the evenings, which would be a peak hour usage, and wow. um, because it could strain the grid and cause uh, brownouts or blackouts oh, in worst-case situations. So even with a small a universe of EVs that are currently in the marketplace that Mm. is still putting enough of a strain on the existing grid that could, you know, um, impact power availability for, for other users. So infrastructure is the key thing and that needs to be addressed. But uh and it is being addressed but uh, they have to be in lockstep and and i think the development of ev assets is far uh further along than what we're doing on the infrastructure side and it's not meant as a criticism it's just that's something that has to be done in, in in parallel with um with the rollout of all of these ev vehicles that are going to be entering the marketplace but with that we've reached our allotted time hans and uh would like to um thank you and thank the viewers Many thanks, Mike. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you.